Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. You are watching and listening to Game Time Decisions. Get on the grid, get in the nation, a lot of station in the nation, SB Nation Radio. I am David Rutgers, going down to Raging Redhead. Cam Stewart, uh, don't forget, you can check out our podcast, Marenzi Unfiltered. Just go over to Apple, iTunes, Spotify, sportsgrid.com. Uh, you can get uh, Pharrell on the bench uh, as well. Podcast uh, form, of course, coast to coast daily, 4 o'clock on SB Nation uh, Radio. Game Time Decisions now on 6 until 7. And uh, hopefully we can expand a little bit uh, once we get some games uh, back uh, moving forward. All right, uh, so... Um, we've talked a lot about uh, the NFL draft, uh, Cam. Uh, it's now just a little more than a week away. I am excited uh, for the draft. It's going to be the first. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to tell you this, actually. I had my first, my first uh, anger as far as gambling in a while. I was on a 15-3 <laughs> and three run. Yeah. I was on a 15-3 and three run, and I bet some, like, soccer. And I think the soccer, it was in, uh, it might have been in Nepal. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm trying to remember what Nepalese soccer. What? Oh, why not? No, why no, no, not? Okay. not just Nepalese soccer. <laughs> Nepalese woman's soccer. Oh, yes. And not just Nepalese woman's Who's soccer. That? Division four. No, junior. Junior. <laughs> JR. That's the bet. Betting the Nepal Junior League. Women. Yeah, like <laughs> under, under 20, under 19 or something like that. I don't know, like. Nino Borgash or something like that. Anyways, dude, so yeah, it was 1-1. It was 1-1, and the it was, uh, sorry, it was 2-1. So there was three goals. It was 2-1, and they were in like the 63rd minute. So, so I'm like, there's 25 minutes left. The in-game total is four and a half. And I was just boasting, too. I was like, oh, I'm 15-3. and three. I'm nailing all these stupid soccer leagues and stuff. I only put 50 bucks on it. Under. Yeah, I bet under. Kim, they scored four goals. <laughs> what, in, in like, minutes? No, in two minutes. In two minutes. <laughs> no, no, I'm dead serious. Like, I placed the bet. Yeah. Ding, I ding, looked ding, back ding. in, like, four minutes later, and it was 5-1. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, I tell you. No. I was like, and, like, as I was watching, there was another goal again. I'm like, uh, I'm like, how do you stupid girls go 67 minutes and score three goals? It's almost like they knew. Yeah, like, oh, yeah Marenzi just bet on the under. Ding, 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 ding. Goal, That's goal, goal, goal. Oh, and it was girls. the first time I was angry, Cam. Like, I had that feeling. I was yeah. like, son of a... Ah! I was like... I- I was mad for a couple of minutes. I was like, oh, that's what gambling feels like. Yeah, exactly, buddy. No, I've been I've been dipping, you know, me and the horses, and I've been just Are you missing mad sometimes. I had this horse like shoe in win down the stretch, got jockey got cocky, looked back, guy gets clipped at the wire. You know how it is. Now I've I've had a lot of anger actually during this point because I am playing ponies and Gulfstream keeps on running. I don't know when these guys, them in Oakland, uh, they got their own set of rules, but yeah, I've been frustrated too, buddy. I've won some, but uh, some heartbreaking losses uh, in the pick threes. Yeah, it won't be me, the guy winning 500000 in the pick five. I'll tell you that. Sense. Don't ever see Cam Stewart, Canada. Don't worry, it's never happening. You know, my luck? <laughs> I can't make this up. It's not that much money. I think it's like 14 or 16 bucks or something. Okay. But the last night that we were at the Meadowlands... I won. If you remember, legendary Lindsay was on fire that night. Remember? It was like every race, ding, ding, ding. So there was the last one, and I bet it on my own. I remember I was waiting for my Uber, leaving the Meadowlands racetrack, FanDuel Sportsbook, and I was like, ah, whatever. I was like, ah, I've won every race. So I went up, and I won again. Nice. And, yeah, and like I said, it was, yeah, I think I won like 12 bucks. I only put two bucks, right? But it was like 12 bucks, 14 bucks or something. But I'll never forget now. It's funny because I have the ticket still. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll go cash it. I was like, nah, whatever. I'll be back. My Uber's here. <laughs> the place closed. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, though? I got to mail it in. Oh, that's what I got to do. I got to be ca- – you know what? The crazy thing is – It's going to pass. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. But due to coronavirus, I, they'll give you an extension. But some books have – the three the, for the three month ticket, the six, the one that's year. That's a good point. Think about that no? though, because it yeah. says 
The horse tickets, they're not. They, and, you know, remember it used to be a year cap. Yeah, used now, to be. FanDuel, the sports bet, is a year. Vegas is hardcore, bro. If you read the fine print, it's like 120 days, 90 days now and stuff. You know it, what I mean? Off. I remember. I'm like, the minute I get back from Vegas and I got tickets, because I always make bets at the end to have more money, and I'm like, why do I do that? Because I have to get back and mail them all in. I'm like, come on, mail, get there. You're right. They're pretty good mailing you, though. Uh, you got you got to be clear, though. Mail play. And can't have bad writing. Like, you got to be really, really clear. Like I don't like it either. I once, I I once uh, left in a rush. I was staying at the D. And I left in a rush, and I had a cash deposit. And I didn't think of it until, like, basically I was in a taxi, and I was on the way to the airport, and I was like, ah, I was like, they got 250 bucks cash in my head. I called, and uh, they're like, oh, no problem, sir. What's your address? And, you know, it's like three or four days later, I'm looking in the mail and stuff. It's not there. And I'm like, ah, this is going to end well. And then my phone rings, and it's the D. <laughs> and they're like, uh, sir, um, you made a mistake. You didn't give us the unit number. They sent it so fast, it got sent to me. Ah. From Vegas to Toronto and back to Vegas. That's great. Without me even getting mad and noticing, like yeah. I didn't get it yet. I, I said, really? You guys sent it that fast? It got sent back? And they said, yeah, they got what well, when it got to your 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 building, there was no unit on it. So yeah. they, it got sent back to us. Wow. And I got it again like 48 hours later. I was like, damn, man, you guys don't play around. They're like, yeah, yeah. I was I was impressed. So yeah, the D. If you like cash a ticket or like whatever, like they'll send you your check. But you know what? The sports book in the D isn't the D hotel. That's different. That's Will Hill. Yeah. Everything's always different. But um, yeah, nevertheless, yeah, Vegas. Uh, well, what, what they say, what uh, what uh, happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, including your money, your deposits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mandalay. I've lost a few deposits. Oh. Mandalay. The story where I left the money at the end of the, the, I took off the tube of the ironing machine when we were all crackered, like, you know, so waste. I'm like, I'm going to hide money. I got like $500 rolled up and some some guy's going to do some ironing. Hey, honey, dinner tonight, steaks. It's still in there. I guarantee you. I'm going to look in the knob of a fuck, you know. It's, and, uh, in some, yeah. it's in an ironing board somewhere in the MGM. Yeah, we're Duke Seed. God rest his soul. It was and in it his wouldn't be in the same room. You know, over the years, somehow it got moved or like, it's like, Somebody will do it. Some kid will one do it one day. Go like just twist off the knob. I remember what room we were in. Was it two thirteen? I don't remember the number, but I remember it was the ground floor suite. Sweet. We went yeah. through that because I remember that stupid door I kept getting locked out of all time. <laughs> oh, wow, those suites are the worst. You needed two doors. You needed like a key to get in, and then there was like another hallway thing because like the entrance of these suites were on a casino floor, so it was to keep the riffraff from rolling in. So, one door, not two. Like those were tricky doors when you're annihilated. It's like they're like oh, yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. And... The thing is, I'd always forget. You know how many times? Like I must have called like ten times. I'd have to call. Hey, I'm right outside. I'm stuck on that other door. I was like, it's like I can't get in. Like I got, I got stuck in between a couple of times. Like uh, yeah, good times. May may you rest in peace. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, there's your um, your money. It's funny too because you know somebody at some point was sitting in that room. I wonder, after all these years, they probably never changed the ironing board. No, like, who's going to... It's move? almost worth it. It is. Like, to, when, when you're in Vegas, to go up and say, listen, it's a crazy story. You got to, like, don't tell the hotel. Go yeah. right to a cleaning lady. You know what I mean? Tell the cleaning lady, listen, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I put money in this room <laughs> in an ironing board. Tell her, I'll give you 100 bucks. Yeah, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you a hundred bucks, please. And you say, I'm not stealing anything. Yeah. Just open the door and look inside the ironing board. <laughs> yeah. If there's I mean? money there, you get your cut. <laughs> You're right. It would actually be worth it. <laughs> Years ago, we got a lady in the palace station. To, uh, I was like, which which room did OJ rob? Oh, yeah. And they're like, uh, room 1407. It's like the yeah. 14th floor right, or something. Like, because I'm like, all right. So we went up there. And it was with me and Jordan. So we got a picture. We're outside the door. We're laughing. And there's a cleaning lady there. And we're like, is anyone staying there? She's like, no, no. And uh, we're like, can we go in? She's sort of like, yeah. she's waiting to be, you know what I mean? She just sort of looks at us. And Jordan just busts out 50 bucks. <laughs> she's like, just open the effing door, all right? 
And she did things. She opens a 50 <laughs> She opens the door. That's the thing. Funny. People don't realize you can buy your way. Like in Vegas. Oh, uh, you funny can, like, thought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> um, so we opened the door. They, they, they actually had the holes in the wall and everything still. Seriously. Wow. Yeah, she, she told us. Very popular room. Very popular. <laughs> like when people check in, like they want to stay in it. <laughs> Can't believe it was there too. Out of all the places, out of dude. all places, places we spent a lot of time. I watched in. the Thirty for Thirty on him, yeah. or the, one of the documentaries, and it had video footage of that night. Yes, dude, it was blowing me away. I lived there for like six months. Okay, I was like, oh my god, like he, dude, and you even know the place too. You know the place well. Now I don't even know it. They renovated. I haven't been there yeah. since. It's like me oh, it's either. fancy now. Yeah. Like they're trying to, they, they, they're going upscale. Like they, so uh, it's fancy and stuff now. So it was just hilarious. Like OJ, uh, bro, he was at the oyster bar. Like, oh, you know, that oyster bar. Oh, I, love, like, I love that oyster bar. I spent many, I, oh yeah. Yeah, he Great. was at the oyster bar. He was at one of the other bars that I was always at. I, you uh, know, the glass elevator, he went up. <laughs> it was like, it was like my life. I was like, I'm watching OJ walk through the hallway. I'm like, yeah, man, every morning. That's where I ate breakfast. I was telling someone. Like, I don't think they believe me. I was like, I ate breakfast right there every morning. You see where OJ is sitting right there? <laughs> I used to eat breakfast there every day. It's just hilarious, like, knowing the building. Yeah. And OJ walking out. And he must have known when he walked out, I'm so screwed. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, he knew. Parties. <laughs> he must have known. Like, I always think that, too, that Palace Station, whenever I walk out of there, I always think, hey, this is where OJ walked out, like, free for the last time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love the Palace. Yeah, it's a good memories there. All right, so we've been talking. Um, oh, let me bring this up, actually, here. I don't, I don't see anything substantive to it, though, substantial to this. So I don't want to get too mad and stuff, but I am going to get mad. I wake up this morning, Cam, and I see hashtag... And I see all over uh, Twitter, NHL, Houston. Houston? Yeah, but not like to play, like they're to set up shop in Houston. Like they franchise Houston. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what they're talking about. Yeah, but Houston. I'm like, I don't, I, I, I couldn't find it. Like, I don't know why. I wasn't, I don't see anything that, oh, yeah, and Batman says this or that. Dude, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You guys talking about expensive. Anyways, if Houston gets a team before Quebec City, then I'm going to be pissed. Like I, now, it's getting out of hand. I agree with you. And Seattle's another thing because they were the Metropolitans, and there nah, is nah, that. That shouldn't have happened either. But there's still a history. I'm saying though, Quebec. The fact that the fact of the matter is, yes. If there's the any other is with Batman, and you got I got to give him credit. Is the Vegas thing really worked so yeah, much? Of course it did. Yeah. They but said Arizona yeah. did it. Uh, no. Arizona, I would consider Florida and Arizona the two biggest failures on his watch. Their franchise. Hey, you like to pick on Florida. Florida's not as weak as you think Dave, they are. Gabe, trust me. Yeah, yeah but they, they sell tickets because of the visiting fans. So it doesn't matter who's buying the tickets. They still sell the tickets. It's brutal. Sorry, man. I can't defend Florida. I know. They get, well, yeah, but it's not empty. Dude, it's, the Ottawa Senators are the most useless franchise in the NHL. I'll be honest with you. No, they're in the middle of nowhere. Canada, the Canadian Tire Center, it's a joke. At least Florida, it's out of the way, but it's still, yeah, there's nothing there. In Ottawa, it took us over two and a half hours. You talk about leaving FanDuel, two and a half to three hours to get out of the parking lot. Not to get home, to get out of the parking lot after they played the Penguins when I did my journey to the Cup. I don't like moving teams, and I know that there are a lot of Senator fans in Ottawa. There are, but at the same point in time, there's not enough of you. And at some point... And it's not even Eugene Melnick at some point. Like, I don't know if the center's going to be able to survive this, to be honest. No. Like, they, you know what I mean? Like, they need the ticket revenue. The TV money will get them by. They're already in debt. To me, move Ottawa. And Bettman is reluctant to, and I get it. The Canadian dollar is bad now, too. It's horrible. Like, it, you know, we're talking 35% difference. It's oh. tough for a Canadian like Quebec to step up. They need 30% of the money now. And the other thing is, this is what pissed me off, though, about the NHL and the owners is they charge Quebec more than Vegas. Like, that's not right. Like, it should be the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, they shouldn't say, okay, Vegas, just give us $500 million. And then they told Quebec, give us, like, a billion or $800 million. It's like, why? You just gave a team to Vegas. Because, well, because you guys are going to be printing money. 
You guys know you're going to make money. That was a risk. So the thing then I'll say is, well, if you know that we're going to make money and that's why you're trying to fleece us, then why don't you just give us the damn team? Like, you, you know that there's a hot hockey market that you're not using then. Exactly. Like, Quebec City is a hot hockey market. Oh, definitely. And the thing is, they do have money. It's an upscale city, like the, the, the average medium. It's a government town. The average medium, they have money in Quebec City. Now, it's funny, and, and God bless hockey fans out there, because people shot the Houston stuff down right away. People are like, yo, what about, uh, what, what, what about Quebec? Yeah. And like, even like, you know, not people from Quebec saying this, like everyone, people are saying not before Quebec and Hartford. Yeah. Slow down on Hartford. Yeah. Hartford's cute to talk about. Yeah, they had the jerseys and stuff, Cam, but. <laughs> I like the way Hartford's not a. Yeah. <laughs> it's an insurance town, baby. Not big enough. Hartford's who's the boss? Like Angela Bauer like and Tony. Hey, Angela. In the NHL. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're right about Ottawa, though. Like I'm allowed to cut up uh, the Panthers, and it's not just the fans, but Ottawa is a train wreck of a franchise too. I agree. Well, I agree. The thing is Ottawa, even when they're really good, they don't make money. So yeah. like, there's no upside. Like, they make it to the cup, and it's barely selling out. Yeah. You know what I mean? If they're bad, people don't go. They have good fans, because I was, I, I was I there. Know, people that like them love them. I yes. Know. It's like, the, yeah, but the, the problem is, Gabe, you can't have a facility that in, in the burbs. Like, there's suburbs, and then there's Canada. Like, the way you get yeah, to that rink. Basically, they got free land, but it's yeah. literally, like, an hour outside of downtown Ottawa, yeah. but with traffic, and there's, like, literally one road in and out. Exactly. It's like on the side of a highway type of stuff. So there's literally, there's no magic. Oh, no, come in the other way. No, no, no. You're going left or right. Like you're coming in and you're like, there's no... where to get yeah. there. It sucks. <laughs> well, it, that, was, that was the thing with San Diego, actually. Where, you know, I always... Because people wonder, when you see on TV, what are you bitching about in San Diego about your stadium for? It looks beautiful. It's sunny out and like all this other type of stuff. What, what's your big beef with this? And the thing is, I've been there. It was in the middle of nowhere, Cam. It was weird. It was like on the side of the highway in this sort of like ravine that goes down. And same crap, bro. Like coming out, there's 55,000 cars. Like there's no, like literally you got to wait around for an hour and a half or two. And in the modern era, people don't do that. In the 70s and 80s, it was new. Oh, a big stadium and stuff. Nowadays, it just upsets people. You're right. right. You know what I'm saying? Now it's like, I'm not going out there. Back then, they just crack a beer and have another smoke. We'll wait exactly. it out. Exactly. Well, now it was acceptable before. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, that's the thing with football. It's a pain in the ass, though. Like, going to a football game, that's why, like, you go to an NBA game, NBA games, the arenas are downtown. and everything. Walk right out. We're there. It's two and a half hours. You can show up two minutes before the game. I literally even playoff games. I'd walk in, like, two minutes before tip-off, bang. I'd be out. I'd be back out two hours and 45 minutes later, right downtown. No joke, like literally, without traffic. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get on the grid, sports grid. I'm on the grid, and so is George Kirks, who steps up and in. I am Daniel Morenci. Uh, thanks to Cam Stewart for throwing it down with us once again. Always great uh, with Cam. Uh, me and Cam ripped on uh, George Kurtz's Dallas Cowboys, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, during this social distancing uh, period uh, right now, uh, we talked uh, last week, George, about your beautiful uh, backyard. But as beautiful as your backyard is and your kitchen is, I know that it's tough for you. You know, you're a big Yankee fan. There's no baseball going on right now. And word on the street is, in your neighborhood, people are very upset that the uh, the annual WNBA draft party has been canceled. As uh, George Kurtz throws a big big bash, WNBA, <laughs> and um, and I believe this year the New York Liberty uh, have the number one pick as well. They might be the first team to win a championship in New York. I'm glad you didn't ask me to name a team. I was going to say the New York Knights, if that was the NBA team. The only, only thing I could think of. There's a Knights somewhere in New York. I don't know. Maybe it's a lacrosse team. But, uh, yeah, WNBA party. Big time here, Gabe. Uh, feel free to come over. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, Friday night. Uh, not, no, no people allowed in attendance. Although I don't know how many people are going to be there in the first place. Uh, right? But 
Y'all kidding aside, last year you you know you um, you were unaware of the number one pick in the uh, the NBA draft. So I don't think you're gonna know like who the number one pick in the WNBA draft is, right? I think that's a safe bet. I don't think I could tell you any player in the WNBA draft. I know I've seen some highlights. I'm sure I've seen a name or two. Uh, didn't someone just win a big award, too? I think I saw on ESPN, but uh, no. no, no it's not bad. Exactly. So you know yeah, some girl won something, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a safe guess, right? I'm pretty good there. So the New York, so you didn't know it was a New York Liberty. Huh? You, you're a lifelong New Yorker. You cannot, you did not, you cannot name a New York Liberty. If you would have asked me to name any team name, I was going to say Knights. When you were talking about it, I'm like, all right, I think New York Knights might be the name of the team. I've been to a Liberty Games. Actually, I've been to a couple of Liberty Games. They're, they're fun to go to. You had good seats there, too, so I enjoyed it. I actually caught a basketball that came to me, and they wouldn't let me keep the damn thing. So you've been to the game, but you don't remember their name. No, this went back when uh, Becky Harmon, okay? She was one of the players. Yeah, Becky Hammond. Close, Hammond. close. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm, close. I'm close. I'm getting there. Yeah, that was yeah. not bad, not bad. Yeah, I give, I'll give you credit for that one, Kurtz. I'll give you credit. So what about your Dallas Cowboys? Uh, did, did you see? So me and Kevin have been talking about this last couple of days. Doc Prescott. Guy has to have a birthday party. What are you, 10 years old? You know what I mean? You have to have a birthday party. 30 people over at the party, just mocking the social distance stuff. Um, he's been working out with Des Bryant and others where they continuously mock uh, the virus and the social distance stuff. Marcus Spear steps up, says, you guys are just idiots. Um, and now we find out Doc Prescott's holding out of the virtual uh, camp. And it's just always a, you know, it's a crap show there. It's always just a, a festival of crap when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, even in the midst of a pandemic. You know what I mean? Even in the midst of a pandemic, like, what do you get from these guys? They violate social distance stuff. They have a party with 30 people. Uh, you know, where's Jerry Jones in all this right now? He's nowhere to be found. And I'm not calling out Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott's not an employee of the Dallas Cowboys technically right now. So I don't know why they would expect him to show up. I just look at the old man once again and Jerry Jones and say, it's just, it's a circus all the time, bro. We're in the middle of this. Like, how do you have controversy now? Yet, Doc Prescott, instead of holding out, they say, he's not opening up the laptop, George. <laughs> oh, listen, uh, you can't defend it. You brought, you brought up the, what's the most common denominator through the Cowboys for the past 30 years? It's Jerry Jones. I think he likes this. He I does, think he likes He's addicted to drama, isn't yes. he? Yes. I mean, listen, if there was Twitter or Facebook or Instagram back in the 90s with those Cowboys, oh, oh. oh my God, we'd have stuff to talk about every minute of every hour of every day. I think you're right. I think he's of the school of thought. Any publicity is good publicity. They're talking about us. Any I think that's business. what he thinks. Yeah. I agree. He sort of goes to that George Steinbrenner school, right? He doesn't fire people like Steinbrenner did, but he wants to be on the back pages. He wants to make news. He wants to see his name, or he wants to see the Cowboys' name up on the highlight. That's what he wants here. As for Dak Prescott, I mean, it's silly. We see this over and over again with people, not just sports people, but hanging out with other... I mean, what are you doing? I mean, you, what, you, you don't believe that the pandemic is real? You think it's fake? I mean, what are you doing? Why are you putting your health at risk? Why are you putting anybody's health at risk? I mean, I, I don't get it, but as for Jerry Jones, I think he lives for this. Yeah, he does. And, you know, I brought it up earlier with Cam. And, you know, listen, you're a Cowboy fan, so you would know this. You know, the perception is that he's, you know, he's rich in the stadium and everything's first class. And he is. He is rich. The stadium is first class. And the Cowboys put on a great fan experience at the stadium. But when it comes to, like, maxing out at the cap, you know, luxury taxes, spending money on the roster, he doesn't do it. You know, he doesn't do it. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about it. If you look at the average salaries and the amount of money that he spent compared to other owners on salaries, he's like, you know, in between 10 and 13. Like, he's sort of middle of the road. Yeah, he'll spend money on a few players and stuff. But what I don't understand is he always plays games with players and then pays them anyways. So, like, you cause drama with Zeke Elliott, you pay him anyways. Uh, like, you know, Jason Garrett, you knew you were going to fire him. You, drag, you know what I mean? It was just a big circus all the time. You end up firing him anyways. Even after the season, he couldn't let him go, bro. Well, we know with Jerry Jones, perception is the most important thing to him. Does it's he know the perception is that he's running a clown show? But he just, but he wants perception. That, yes, I spend money. You, you put it perfectly. How many Cowboy fans out there would know that the Cowboys are not a top five spending team? You would automatically assume they are because they're always up against the cap or close to it. You assume they're spending money when they're really not. You know, it's, it's all about numbers, how he's moving the numbers around. So, uh, listen, 
Jerry Jones is a he's a salesman. He's a very good businessman. You know, a football owner, I think most of us know he's not very good at that. He wants people to be yes man to him. He wants people to agree with him. You know, yes. Oh, yes, Jerry, you're right. Yes, Jerry. Oh, let him do what he wants. And once we brought, we've talked about this before. When Bill Parcells was, was with the team, Jerry Jones was not going to meetings. The yeah. offensive meetings. Get the hell out of here. But you hire Jason Garrett, Jerry Jones allowed in the meetings. I'm he looking can have now his at cap space, George. 15th right now. Middle of the road. You know what I'm saying? Like, they always have extra money. So that's the whole thing. So, like, you can argue with Zeke all you want. You can play games with Dak all you want. Wouldn't you rather just have him under contract and not be in the news? And, like, it's McCarthy, like, the first day of camp, which is virtual camp. Now, it sounds crazy, but this is what we're at. We're basically on April 20th. They want him to be online. Everyone online, we're going to start going over things. And, you know, McCarthy's going to introduce him. Like, you know what I mean? It gets real. Wouldn't you want your quarterback there? Like, it starts at the top, right? And you're, you're, so your leader is kind of like a nut job in a flake. And now your quarterback, who's the leader, isn't there. It's just, to me, it's just, it's unnecessary. I would agree with you. Everything I hear about the quarterback, though, is that this may, I think this is more on Dak or his agent. Because apparently they've agreed on the money. Around $35 million a year, that's what it's going to come in at. Yeah, I don't know if they've agreed yeah, on the I don't even know what they're arguing about. Exactly. 33, years. 35, 32. They're arguing about years. The Cowboys want it to be at least five, while his agent wants it to be four or less because they want him to go back in free agency in four years, still make a you know a truckload of money because of the new television contracts. So I think that's on Dak. Because once again, the yeah. Cowboys, I mean, you're lucky they don't want seven, eight years, a lot of these contracts. They, you know, I, I think that's on Dak. They are willing to make you, if not the if highest paid the Cowboys, quarterback, I'd one do of them. Because this way, you're, I wouldn't want him for seven or eight years. I wouldn't want him for five years. If you don't win in the next four years with Dak Prescott, you're never winning with Dak Prescott. I think that's a valid point, by the way. I think you make a very valid point there. But for them, I think it is about spreading the bonus out. That fifth year gives yeah. them more bonus to spread. Like that's, that's all it's about. Dallas would take five years. I think if once again, if Dak and his agent say, okay, we'll give you five years, $35 million, do the math, what is that, 175 uh, they would take that. They'll take that. They'll work on the guarantee portion, done. But I think it, his agent is holding stead at four years. Now, you brought it up, and I believe it's been you. Um, and listen, I've defended Dak in past years. I like him from a fantasy standpoint at times. Uh, I liked him with Cooper. There was a big difference as far as his efficiency. You know, the big criticism of Dak Prescott always was he couldn't throw the ball down the field. And listen, he's not a great deep passer still. His accuracy is terrible. But he didn't have anyone to throw it deep down the field to. If you give him weapons, he can throw the ball a bit. Like, but I like Dak Prescott, but I believe in you. Listen, you love the Cowboys, but you're a realist, unlike a lot of Cowboy fans. And I believe you've told me in the past, he doesn't win games for you. And I think, you know, I think it's a valid, it's a valid argument in which if it's a tie game, is Dak going to go down the drive, down the field and lead you to a win? No. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if he's ahead and he's handing the ball off, yeah, he can make some plays, he can have some good games, but... You know, when you're making that type of money, you would hope that, you know, you're a star. Is Dak Prescott a superstar? No. I guess he's just a star, if you know what I mean. I think he's a good quarterback, not great. I don't think he'd even be a star if he didn't play for Dallas. You know, I think he'd be in that uh, that 10 to 12 range as far as quarterbacks. Good. Somebody you want, but uh, well, the point you If he didn't play made, for Dallas, he might not be a quarterback. He I think he'd still ass, be... He fell ass backwards into this, right? He was a fourth-round draft fourth pick. Fourth-round pick, and Dallas was desperate. Tony yeah. Romo got hurt, he so he got his He chance. was drafted to be a backup. You know what I mean? And he fell up. Romo got hurt. Kellen Moore got hurt. Yeah, He was up, and he never looked back. We'll give him credit for it. But I don't know how much better he's going to get. That That's an issue as well. I uh, When I say about Dak is... I don't see him winning games when, you know, nothing else is working. The offensive line's not playing well. Zeke's yeah, having a bad exactly. game. Exactly. Take... Look what the Eagles did in the, uh, that big game in Week 16 last year. They yeah. took Zeke away. And all of a sudden, Dak couldn't win it. Against or a team remember, with no like, when one offensive lineman was out. There's always an excuse. Well, when this guy's out, he's not as good, right? You're, yeah. It's a good point. Frederick was out. Oh, Tyron Smith is hurt. There's always somebody hurt. And Frederick retired, right? So you're not going to have him all of next year. So the offensive line's going to be weaker than it was. But I, I said I, I never see him lift the team on his shoulders like what a Brett Favre might do, you know, what a Peyton Manning might do when other things aren't working. They can still get it done. He's a good quarterback. I don't know if he'll ever be great, and I agree with you. I don't know how much better he's going to get. Uh, I asked Cam this as far as McCaffrey is concerned. 
It's kind of a, it's, you know what? It's kind of a, it's a trick question almost because there's almost multiple answers. But is McCaffrey worth the money that they paid him? And I would say yes in the sense he's a stud. I'm not criticizing McCaffrey for, for you know, obviously to getting $16 million a year. But then is, is it smart business in football to spend that much money on a running back? No, generally it's not. Because once again, they have a sh- such a short shelf life. You know, with the Panthers, you could also argue what well, it was a four-year contract. It'll be at least halfway done before the Panthers are in, you know, contention again. They're not going to contend yeah. this year, and he may not be the same player anymore. That's another what six hundred tackles, six hundred hits more when you think about the blocking he has to do that he's going to take. He may not be that player anymore. I mean, I didn't like the Cowboys signing Zeke. I don't like. I wonder what the Giants could do with Barkley because he could do the same thing as Zeke did last year and hold out next year, not this year because that'll be his third year. And I don't like paying running backs. It's a shame. I understand how they feel. The, con- the CBA is not geared towards them. Their shelf life is so small. But I'm probably not paying one as a team. You want to pay the quarterback. You want to pay the wide receivers, pass rushers, and cornerbacks. No, you're right. And I've talked about this. I brought it up, guys. You know, if you're a high school player and you're really good, like you're a stud, you're, you're, really, you're, you're going to a big-time college and you're projected to go to the National Football League, don't be a running back. Like if you were, let's say you're a star running back right now, switch to cornerback, switch to defensive back, switch to wide receiver, switch to like another position. I mean, all you need to see, look at a guy like Melvin Gordon, as good as he is. You know what I mean? Eight mil. And that's smart football. The Broncos got a great deal. Seven and a half, eight million bucks a year. Was it 16 for two years, 15 for two years, Melvin Gordon? It's a great deal for the Broncos. He's got an elite back at a fair price. I agree. Supposed to look at the Jets. The Jets are paying Lev Bell a ton of money to do nothing. They don't even give him the ball. And if you're a GM, if Gabe Maranci is a GM, wouldn't you rather have uh, Maranci? Wouldn't you rather have Gordon at eight million than maybe McCaffrey at sixteen? Yes. Right. You can spend money at another position there. Yes. It's eight million dollars for a top or a really good cornerback, a really good defensive lineman, really good. Well, I think about lineman. that about the draft, right? Like if let's say if you're the let's say you were the uh, the Redskins, and the Dolphins have the fifth and the eighteenth pick. And they're like, we want to jump up to two to get Tua. You know, I would trade the second pick for the fifth and eighth, 18th pick. You're getting two really, this is a good draft this year too. You're getting two solid players at five and 18, as opposed to one player at two. Like I do buy into that. I don't want to fall out too far, but to me, that's like a nice trade off. I agree with you to a point here. If I'm watching, I'm going I'm to take Young. I think Young is the best player in the draft. But I think this draft starts at three. I think Detroit has to trade out. And if Miami at five and 18, I think that's beautiful for them. You only go down two spots. So you think that's where the trading starts? With the I think line. that's where it starts. I think, uh, I think once Young, again, I, can, I can live with that. Because if Burrow wasn't there, you could argue Young is the number one pick. Yes. He's the best athlete. And he's slam dunk, blah, blah. And he's getting lost in the shuffle because of Burrow almost. I can live with that. But you're right. When it gets to three, there's no slam dunk. Right. Like there for the Lions, like Okuda makes the most sense to defend the cornerback out of Ohio State. Isaiah Simmons, maybe the linebacker. They're not going to take one of the linemen to protect Stafford. I don't see that really. I mean, Patricia probably goes defense. So, or they trade down. And I do think one of those teams, George, at five, six, or someone else that secretly likes Tua is going to jump up. I do. I do expect a trade in the top five. Somebody has to jump up because I expect Miami, they'll take two or at five. All right? So if he falls to five, they're taking it. They might jump up. The Chargers at six, they know if they want two, if they have him ranked as the next best quarterback, they got to get ahead of Miami. They the have Chargers no choice. need to jump up. Exactly. But do they have the ammunition? You know, uh, I said Miami has those extra Miami picks. Miami right? has. They got a ton of picks. They, they got three a, picks. They got another one late in the first round, too. They have 14 picks in this draft. 14. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. So if I'm Miami, there's if, little I, murmurs that Miami are going to throw like some crazy, stupid package at for Burrow. I've heard that too. And well, what's then, would you do that? If you if three I'm number one picks, all three number one picks, and like and next year number ones and stuff. I'm doing that. If, if that's the offer, I, listen, I'll do that in a heartbeat. Four number one picks, and I'm only moving down yeah. four spots. I do Unless it too. I think Burrow is the next, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback. Great, I am definitely doing the that. The problem Absolutely. is Cincinnati would screw up all the other picks and still be bad uh, somehow. <laughs> but then maybe they screw, they screw up Burrow too. I mean, I think you just have to take your chances here. It's gambling, right? The odds of you getting one pick right 
Well, look, good. that's what made your Dallas Cowboys, actually, with Jimmy Herschel Johnson, Walker. Herschel Walker deal. Herschel Walker, absolutely made it. And you'll never see that kind of deal again. And then no. He had players being traded to him where if he didn't keep them, they were going to get draft picks. It was weird. Never yeah. seen a trade like that before. So you'll never see one like that. But, yes, uh, any team in the top, Cincinnati is years away from competing. All right, I am definitely taking the draft picks. If I, if I get all three from Miami and a third-round pick this year, I'll do that. Yeah, it'll be. I don't know. We'll see if if the virtualness of the draft um, hinders trades or makes it. I don't really think it'll be that much of a difference. I think trades will still be made. But think, George, before all those guys were in the same room at least before. You know what I mean? Hey, let me talk to you in the hallway here. Right? I know it's a lot on the phone. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get on the grid. SportsGrid and, of course, SB Nation Radio, the loudest station in the nation. I am Gabriel Morenci. We've uh, talked a lot of NFL draft over the past uh, couple of weeks. Let's keep it going with a man that did a great job breaking it down over at CBSSports.com. Uh, Chris Trapasso steps up and in and joins us. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited uh, for this draft. Where There's so many uh, hypotheticals. Will they or won't they? Who's playing? Who's not playing? Um, it's nice to know that we have something to sink our teeth to into here with the National Football League draft, albeit a very unique one. And, you know, the term virtual is being tossed around a lot now. And I get a kick out of the fact that Doc Prescott's holding out a virtual camp. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird that we could get into an offseason where there's teams having like mini OTAs yes, and yes. mini training camps. So, yeah, that's Doc Prescott. That doesn't uh, bring as much leverage as if you were physically holding out that's from actual camp happening. That's a very good point. It's like, yeah, whatever, dude. You're, you're going to have a bad camera feed anyways, all right? We're not worried about it. It's going to look like the NBA game of horse anyways. Yeah. That's, that's funny stuff. So as far as, dra- uh, as far as the draft is concerned, there's always a lot of deals, but they're generally in the same room. I know they're on the phone, but they're generally on the same premises. They're in the property. You know they're eating lunch, and they're, they're talking a lot. Do you really think it will have an effect as far as you think there'll be less uh, trades uh, this year in this year's draft because of uh, the uniqueness of it? Maybe a few uh, less than we normally see, but I don't think it's really going to hinder it that much. Most of the general managers in the NFL today should be decently tech savvy enough. Um, And I certainly think there is still the willingness is the exact same to trade up, trade down. Um, the Miami Dolphins have 14 extra picks, so I'm yeah. assuming they're going to trade up quite a bit. Um, yeah, so I don't think it will really move uh, the scale enough that we look back and say, hey, that draft, there weren't as many trades because of the coronavirus. I still think we'll see a lot of swaps uh, over draft weekend. I agree. I agree. I think once it gets going, it'll be business as usual. And I think after the fact, some GMs will say, oh, I liked it better. I was on my couch. I was cutting deals, right? I'm mm-hmm. at my kitchen table. It has that feel to it. I want to talk to you about a popular player in Tua and a polarizing player as well, it seems. At least amongst so-called media gurus and experts coming into this thing and former GMs as well. Uh, was it Tannenbaum that said he thinks it's irresponsible to take uh, Tua in, in, in the top 10? And I'll tell you, the, the sports books disagree. FanDuel here in New Jersey has him over under three and a half. And I'll disagree with Tannenbaum as well. And from what I can gather from reading you, you're you're high on him. You like the talent that he brings to the table, right? Yeah, I do. I do think, though, beyond the health concerns, and I think that's mostly what Mike Tannenbaum was alluding to, that because of this almost unprecedented hip injury, not a torn ACL, not a shoulder injury, um, that it would be irresponsible, or he believes it would be irresponsible um, to pick Tua because of the health concerns. I mean, that is a GM that also traded up to pick Mark Sanchez in the draft. So I think we have to keep that in mind. Um, well, but played. Yes. well played, Chris. But yes, Tua, <laughs> yes, Tua was um, propped up a little bit by a great offensive line and an awesome receiving group at Alabama. So I think that's really my only major concern with him. Um, doesn't have a huge arm either, but he's very accurate, knows where to go with the football, didn't make a lot of mistakes. It will just be a transition for him. Say he lands with the Dolphins, he's not going to have that big of an advantage on his offensive line or in his receiver group as he had in college. No, it's a great point, and it'll be interesting to see. So as far as 
Are the Redskins locked in with Chase Young, do you believe it, too? Or are they, are they open to trading down? Or is Chase Young so good that the window for trading really begins at three with the Lions? Is I there a big drop-off in talent after Chase Burrow and Chase Young? I think there is. Um, considerable enough that I would agree with you that the trading window truly opens uh, at number three overall with the Lions. Um, and yes, the Redskins are, are just about locked in on Chase Young, but... I don't think that they will not answer the phone. I think, again, with the Dolphins, with those yep. 14 extra picks, they have two first-rounders next year, two second-rounders next year. They have all the ammunition in the world. They'll answer the phone if the Miami Dolphins call and, and say the Dolphins want to trade up to get Tua or maybe even Justin Herbert. I think they'll listen to that, but with Ron Rivera, their new head coach in Washington, his defensive background, I think they're going to go chase Young. Now, as far as the Dolphins are concerned, so five and eighteen, and and then have another late first uh, rounder as well, right? So they they've got some they've got uh, some room here. What would you do if you're looking at them? Would you go quarterback, lineman? Do you go quarterback, grab a running back as well, sort of a combo? You sort of get your your group together, uh, you know, a, a Swift, and then your quarterback. Let's say you walked out of the draft with two and Swift at five and eighteen. That's that's a good day, isn't it? Or is that too I, that too easy? It's not, you know, where would you go? Where, where do they need help, you know? I, well, they did a lot of work on the defensive side in free agency, but obviously this is a team that really gutted its roster and I believe was trying to tank for Tua Tungvaluwa yeah. um, before last season. The players played pretty hard. They still won five games. Ryan Fitzpatrick was out there throwing interceptions and touchdowns. Dude, the, the organization future. tried to tank. Yes. And the guys the, in the room were like, well, I ain't tanking. I'm trying, right? I mean, <laughs> the Dolphins winning that Week 17 game over Tom Brady and the Patriots proves that the players were not trying to tank. The organization, the front office, yeah. they were trying to tank. They were trying to completely gut the roster to get the first pick to end with the fifth pick. To me, what the Dolphins need to do, though, because they are still rebuilding with three first-round picks, they have to pick players... Um, at the most in, uh, most valuable positions. You have to go quarterback at number five. You don't have to hope that a quarterback drops to you. Edge rusher, offensive tackle, I think are still huge needs for them. If you want to pick a running back in the second round, a Jonathan Taylor, a DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, that makes sense. But don't pick a safety. Don't pick a tight end in the first round. Pick the premium positions that will really be uh, franchise building blocks for that team over the long term. I was surprised with conversation with Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports. I was surprised. Um, FanDuel has props up for players, and they have Tristan Wirfs at uh, eight and a half. And uh, they also have a Willis at eight and a half. And it seems to me, and I don't know, in the New York Post, I see uh, Joe Judge supposedly likes Willis, the kid out of kid out of Alabama. You know, you've looking at these guys, they're different players. It seems to me that Wirfs is just almost born to be a New York Giant, right? You know, it's just, it seems like he just has that, yeah, you're a New York Giant, and you're going to fit perfectly with Danny Dimes and with Saquon, but the sports books have them both at the same number. You know, doesn't Wirfs go before Willis? What's your take on them? And, you know, talk to me about both these players. Yeah, I think Wirfs will go number four overall to the New York Giants because, like you said, he helps the investments of the last two first-round picks um, that the Giants picked in uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. He's super strong. I don't think he's going to have any problems dealing with the strength of NFL edge rushers. And he's an insane athlete with a wrestling background, so he understands the angles great that he hands, needs to take. Yeah. One Great hands, super balance. Um, I think Jedrick Wills is like a step behind him. But the reason why they're probably at eight and a half with the prop bet is that whoever doesn't go number four overall, his – floor is probably number eight overall that they're either one of those guys will probably be picked or both of them will be picked inside the top 10 I would pick Wills if I was Dave Gettleman I would pick Christian or Tristan Wirfs at number four overall and let Jedrick Wills go to another team yeah you know uh, so many names huh, when you're breaking down these drafts just <laughs> said Jedrick this and Tristan that and um say so I think we're thinking the same thing and I brought it up earlier actually I think the Giants and Arizona sort of stand out to me the most um, in the top 10 looking to need some linemen. You, you got Hopkins in there right now. I mean, I guess Arizona needs defensive help as well. But Kyle Murray was running for his life last year. Right? He, he, he didn't have a lot of time back there. They could really use some help um, there. Jordan Love. Let me throw Jordan Love at you because it's amazing. I love the, the roller coaster 
of a guy that can he can shoot up the hype train and he can plummet without doing anything. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like coming out of the combine, oh wow, Jordan Love, oh his hands and oh man, he's a, he's the closest thing to Mahomes in the draft. And then slowly but surely, we just haven't heard anything about him. He's not connected really to any teams. Um, Prop-wise, he was 13 and a half, Chris. Then it fell to 17 and a half, sitting at 19 and a half uh, right now. And I don't say this because I love him, but I'm looking at what I think is going to happen and agree or disagree on this. I think if someone's going to surprise people, they're going to like him more than people think, and he goes higher than people think. What's your opinion on Jordan Love? And because there's a difference what you think and what the NFL guys think, right? It doesn't mean you're right or they're right. We don't know for a couple of years. But what's your take and impression on Jordan Love? Yeah, I agree. I think there will be a mystery team because he isn't really connected with anyone right now that ultimately picks him because of those high-level flashes that do kind of look like Patrick Mahomes. I don't think Jordan Love is as talented as Patrick Mahomes, but the flashes are there, that he can be on the run, uh, flick yeah. the ball 40, 50 yards down the field, place it in the bucket. On the next drive, he can throw an interception right into the uh, the lap of a linebacker that he doesn't see in underneath coverage. But he's a good athlete. He's six foot three, a good frame. Like you said, big hands. NFL teams love that. Um, I think he probably should go somewhere in the back portion of round one. Um, but he's probably at 19 and a half right now because the Oakland Raiders' second pick yes, sir. is 19. And I believe that they did sign Marcus Mariota. I don't think that they're set on Derek Carr moving to that new stadium and the new city in Las Vegas as their long-term future. So him being picked by the Las Vegas Raiders, I think would make a lot of sense at number 19 overall. I tell you what, man, you know, Gruden with two picks at 12 and 19 and not taking a quarterback, he's going to be itching. Right? I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, to be like me in Vegas sitting in my hotel room. Let's go. Let's, what are we doing in the room, man? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Right? Like, if you know Gruden loves quarterback, because you got to believe Carr gets let go or something happens before. We're in a unique situation now. So Herbert's another, you know, McShay and Kuyper are really going at it. And, you know, it doesn't seem to be just TV shtick that they actually, they started arguing about this for real. And McShay's like, Jordan Love will go before Justin Herbert. He's better than Herbert. Herbert's another polarizing one. But you know this, Chris. It only takes one, right? It only takes one GM to like you. So Herbert's another one where it's like, yeah, you look at him, right? Look at a Rose Bowl. And you look at the, you know, you look at his body frame. And then his, his personality doesn't light people on fire, NFL guys, right? That West Coast laid-back kid. But he is a competitor. What do you make of him? And is he going to go with five or six, or does he fall, do you think? I think he'll go inside the top seven. I think the Los Angeles Chargers would make a lot of sense for him. Um, even though they have Tyrod Taylor there and they have his former coach in Buffalo, Anthony Lynn, um, I think that would be a good spot for uh, Justin Herbert and that he would not have to play and be the starter week one in his rookie season. He was a four-year starter at Oregon. He's six foot six, has an absolute cannon for an arm. Yes, there are some times where he'll have a quarter or two where he just looks completely out of sorts, is not throwing accurately, not reading coverages. But the majority of his film over the past three years, very, very good, looked like an NFL franchise quarterback. And you're right, it just takes one, and I will be shocked if he falls outside of the top ten because of the experience and a major school and a big conference and the physical tools that he brings to the table. So I think Justin Herbert, you can lock him inside the top 10. And it seems like everyone is polarizing right now. This is what happens. Of course, it's the smear fest. And there's been less smearing than normal this year. Eh, Chris, like amongst the, like- uh, Yeah, amongst, there hasn't yeah. been as much, or obviously there, there's been barely any pro days. And normally that's where the GMs and the insiders are all sitting there watching the guys throw footballs against air. That's when a lot of the rumors and the gossiping happens. So I think that's why we haven't seen as much of the smoke screens being thrown up this draft season. That's interesting. Um, so Isaiah Simmons, six and a half over under as far as the, you know, the prop board has him listed at. So six and a half. And from what I gather, I mean, listen, he was such a dynamic, versatile football player at the collegiate level. And, you know, it's funny how they hold that against him. Well, it's like, wow, what does he do really, really well? And is he going to be able to cover guys in the NFL and he will be able to tackle? And I don't know. Is that just media smear? 
you know, or does he fall uh, a little bit? Because he's one of these players where I don't know. I, I have a hard time getting a feel where it wouldn't shock me if, like, would the Detroit Lions take him? Wouldn't shock me, right, if they took him third overall? And then it wouldn't shock me if, like, Carolina took him, like, seventh. Anyway, what, what, what about Isaiah Simmons? Where does he fall? Where do you What do you feel about this kid? I think his absolute floor is the Carolina Panthers at number seven overall. Um, so maybe with that prop bet, maybe go over um, six and a half. Um, but you're right that, that there is some nitpicking with him that so oh, sort of starts at Carolina, in your opinion. Yeah, I think if I would be surprised if Dave Gettleman, after picking Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, does not pick an offensive tackle at number four overall and goes linebacker, um, which he's a great player, but that just doesn't give you the amount of value and impact that Tristan Wirfs would give you at number four. I think the Lions are going to pick Jeffrey Akuda, the corner from Ohio State. They traded Darius Slay. They need that number one corner. So Isaiah Simmons going number seven overall does not mean I think he's a bad player. And you're right that there's been some nitpicking about what is he really good at but the NFL is not a league where you have to play one position. Safety it's a hybrid are, league now. Yeah, it's a hybrid league. It's positionless, especially Dude, at the that's linebacker. that's what they say about Jabril Peppers, the kid out of Michigan on the Giants now, right? Exactly. What does so, he do this? And what he does, he's a good football player. That's what he is. Exactly. And Isaiah Simmons is 6'3", 240, sub 4'4 speed, long arms, made plays all over the football field at Clemson. I think he's going to be one of the better defensive players in this draft class. Chris Trapasso, uh, CBSSports.com. Uh, Check out his article and uh, his power rankings uh, for, for the players. Great stuff. He ranks uh, by by rank of, of each position as well. And we've only got about a minute left here. But I've actually, you know, we're, we're getting by. It's tough times now. You know, we're, the NFL draft is helping us a lot, obviously. And I, I love the NFL draft. But just when you said, we said Gettleman and the Giants draft and the fourth pick. Let's be real, bro. It's like walking down the street in Manhattan at four in the morning. You don't know what's gonna happen with Gettleman. <laughs> That's like even great... though, like you don't know, right? Like there's that edgy, I'm excited almost. Like you don't know what he's gonna do. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, for as much as I love Saquon Barkley, um, two years ago, I was like, there's no way a team is gonna pick a running back number two overall in the modern day, and he did it. And then Daniel Jones, I liked him. I did not like him number six overall. And he did have a pretty good rookie season in, in a not the best environment um, behind that offensive line, but no one actually thought that Dave Gettleman was going to pick Saquon Barkley or pull the trigger on Daniel Jones, so you're right. Number four overall is the biggest wild card that could really have a huge ripple effect after Joe Burrow's going number one. Uh, Chase Young is going to go to the Redskins number two. We don't know what Dave Gettleman will do to impact the rest of this first round. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.